What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Food Sex Politics. It's your girl, Nicole Rodriguez. As always, I'm here with Dave Shirotsky. And, and Dave, you, you, asked, you asked a question just a few minutes ago. Go on ahead. Nicole, how is it? You know, I see everything going on now. And cancel culture is running wild. But how have we not been canceled yet? Because we talk about dicks and we make it fun. <laughs> I think that <laughs> we celebrate Wiener Wednesday. We celebrate things like like Wiener Wednesday. We have the top dogs on the program, and tonight I'm really excited to host my good friend and neighbor, Mr. Mike Davis, who works in an agency that we cannot identify, but he is part of a you know federal law enforcement program i would say he's the most unique voice on my instagram feed and i thought you guys would have a really good time chatting together tonight especially talking about cancel culture um i think it's funny like a few months ago remember all these commercials came out like oh summer's not canceled good times aren't canceled your love isn't canceled remember do you guys remember some of these ads during COVID or like people's Instagram posts trying to say like, all oh, these great things aren't canceled. Isn't canceled. Eating at home isn't, yeah, all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. FaceTime with relatives you hate isn't canceled. So um, I think it's funny how right, now- Now they know you're available. Now they're calling like, I know you're home. Motherfucker. <laughs> 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 Although, you know, you know who's allowed back out now that, um, that COVID's easing up a little bit? The door-to-door people are back out. I don't know why I thought for some for some reason I thought you're going to say the Tiger King. I don't know why that just jumped into my head right away. But we can all hope. Yeah, I guess he's not. I guess he's not being being left out. So, I, so we're talking earlier, Mike. Maybe you could weigh in on this a little bit. What's the difference between call-out culture and cancel culture and what what are some of the things that have happened and what's the direction that some of these things are taking well as far as as far as i can think of cancel culture is just the the active process of trying to get people fired from their jobs taken off a of tv ostracized by a polite company any of these insane things just because somebody says something you didn't like I like, or because you were offended on somebody else's behalf for a bad joke or because you took a certain political position that's not considered uh, acceptable as far as they're concerned. And it's just, it's, a, it's an actual full frontal attack on our freedom of speech, our freedom of association, our freedom, our freedom to congregate. I mean, you have people coming up with these terms called covid just because somebody doesn't necessarily want to social distance away they see fit or somebody doesn't want to wear a mask outside around nobody or in their car by themselves, all of a sudden I've got to take a picture, shame them, uh, get in contact with who they work for and tell them that unless you fire this person, we're going to come after your, uh, your company. We're going to come after your app. We're going to boycott you guys. We're going to take money out of your pocket. It's absolutely ridiculous. And call out culture, I think is this idiotic thing that we see now where you may have, a dispute between two people out in public, which happens every day, just in the, in the long living. And 
somebody says something uncouth or insensitive and the whole thing is, oh, I'm going to go post this on Instagram, try and tag as many people as possible, try and get enough hashtags going to where this goes viral and just shame this person. It's straight. It's Orwellian straight out of, uh, you know, the two minutes of hate that we saw in 1984. It's ridiculous. Well, two minutes of hate. I'm not I'm not familiar with that. Dave, do you do you know this? I don't know two minutes of hate. Um, no, it feels like we've been going a lot longer than that. Can you <laughs> tell me? Tell us about it, please. The two minutes of hate was from uh, George Orwell's book in 1984, and pretty much it was uh, you. They put on a movie screen. Of course, this is before social media. They put on a giant movie screen in which the whole town, the whole city, would come in and take a look at this, and they would literally highlight somebody who did something that was against the perceived norms or was considered politically correct at that time. And literally they took two minutes out and shouted this person, called them all sorts of names, dog cursed them. Just, it was two minutes in which you could show your hate towards this person, hoping to get them back in line. Wow. So that's and really doing that. That's, that's literally what we see. I mean, you look at, you look at like, for instance, that um, incident that happened in the Bramble with the, what they call the central park Karen. All right. Here you have, the bird watching black guy with the dog walking white woman. And they get into a personal private quarrel in which he's upset that she's not, that she's not leashing her dog. And she's upset not only that he's calling her out on it, but also that he kind of creepishly uh, told her that if she doesn't do it, he, he, uh, would, if she doesn't do what he likes and he's going to do something that she doesn't like, he reached in his pocket and pulled out some dog treats. Now, she doesn't know this guy or whatever. But bottom line is, not to get back into the weeds with that, that was a private matter that didn't need to be put on Instagram or anything like that or to go viral. Whatever happened to adults just being adults and being like, you know what, we can do this amongst ourselves. I don't have to go out and try and get you fired, get your dog taken away from you, make you poor and destitute in an economy right now that's at the time was on the downturn. You had 40 million people out of work, which is 40 million in one. But in a city like New York City, which is expensive to live anyway, why on earth, just because somebody said something you don't like, do you want to make it to where they're probably going to be homeless, jobless, and desperate? And des you, you don't change their mind on anything. All you do is just all right, you may quiet them down, but now all of a sudden that no, whatever they may have felt before is just festering and now they hate you even more. And now they might feel desperate. Now they may be prone to acting in an even more outrageous or, God forbid, violent manner. It just doesn't make any sense. Wow. I don't think I had, I don't think I had digested all of that. Um, what was her, what's her name again? Ooh, her name escaped Amy, me. Amy Cooper. Amy, Amy Cooper, and his name was Christian Cooper. Not related, of course. Right. Not 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 related, of of course, there. Um, but do you think, and I don't want to get too into the weeds with this, because Dave and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but do you, do you think maybe there was some intent there on her part? Do you think there was, I mean, because she did call the cops. It was right. The cops were where it stopped being a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yeah. Right. This she, was, she, she made that decision. There was a conversation just between the two adults because it was. Absolutely. But, but I'm also, uh, and, and I mean, you know, she did, she did use language that would, that would make you, uh, feel, you know, there might, there might have been a, a racial animus, there might have been racial connotation to it. But at the same time, you know, and this just goes back to, 
an investigative background in which you always want to get the facts and you want to you want to get an understanding of what's going on. People are known to say stupid stuff when they're mad and when they're afraid. Not saying that he did anything to make her afraid per se. Not uh, not put casting blame on any of them. And they're both idiots as far as I was concerned. Um, Why is he an idiot? Excuse me? Why is he an idiot? Well, all right. For instance, you're in this area called the Bramble. And once again, you, mm-hmm. you, 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 as, as an adult, you need to be aware of perceptions and the environment in which you're in and just how aesthetics look. Not, ca- not saying that anyone's at blame as far as those are concerned, but it's just the reality in the world that we live. You're in the Bramble in an area that is ob- in which you're obviously all by yourself. What is every woman ta- uh, told about the park in New York growing up for the most part? You he don't kept know. looking at him when he yeah. asked her to stop coming at him. You're absolutely correct. But uh, imagine this, and I just want to ask you. You're we don't have to imagine. We saw it. That It was on video. We don't have to imagine. Well, well I'm, I'm talking about what he had said beforehand before it got on video. Because he had said that he had, uh, what we got, like you said, and that's the video that one thing we always knew in investigating was that a video is a moment in time. It rarely gives you the full context because you don't know what led up to that. You don't know what happened afterward. You don't know. You don't know all those things. So, for instance, thankfully, he was actually honest in how and how he says, like, look, she was walking a dog without the without the leash. I saw it and I had told her, hey, you need to leash your dog. She said, no, I don't want to leash my dog right now because he needs his exercise because uh, the dog runs were closed. And he said, well, it's the rules. And she said, it's not he's not violent. And so that's when he said, well, if you don't do something that I like. I'm going to do something that you don't like. But and it, something that she didn't like was actually following the rules in the park. That's how, yeah, you're absolutely correct. But at the same time, what, 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 what would you infer if somebody says, I'm going to do something that you don't like, and then somebody who's not walking a dog pulls out dog treats and tries coaxing your dog towards them? I, I, I don't have a dog, but I, I, look, I, I wouldn't have confronted him. I would have went the other way. I would this would have been an open matter. This, this isn't even yeah, it's correct. But I'm just saying that that kind of uh, what, what he said, a stranger who is bigger than you, outweighs you by a lot, is coach. You're by yourselves in this secluded area. It's he telling you he's going to do something you don't like. And he who does not have a dog pulls out some dog treats and is trying to coach your, uh, coach your dog to him. And she could have put him on the leash and left. She could have, but at the same time, and, I, and you're absolutely right there, but I'm just saying what, what he did could be seen as, well, what were, what were you doing? That I, and not saying that she had any right to say what she said, but you could see how, as people are always talking about de-escalating a situation or egging on a situation, that could actually egg, that could actually lead to egging on. And that's why I don't think anyone was necessarily written up until she actually called the police with a false report. Not only a false report, but selling it the whole way. Like, oh, no. She put on her daddy voice. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. She had daddy absolutely. voice on. And daddy, come save me. Oh, there's a black man that's here, and he's threatening me and my dog while she's choking the shit out of the dog. The do- if that right. dog had a safe word, he would have been barking it. <laughs> well, absolutely. <laughs> so, speaking of, um, since we've kind of gone down this path, speaking of de-escalating situations, Mike, do you feel, I know, I know you can only speak to, I guess, like your specific work, but do you feel there's ample training in de-escalating 
in law enforcement in general? You know, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I will say this, and this is something that a lot of a lot of cops will tell you, a lot of agents will tell you. They'll so, Mike, real quick, Mike, real quick, can we just have you explain? Uh, your level of training versus what a regular police officer would go through? Well, I'll, 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 I'll tell you exactly. Well, all right. Yeah. Now, once again, you got to remember, police departments operate on finite budgets. In a large department like uh, NYPD, for instance, which has about 38,000 sworn officers, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Remember this. When we first invaded Afghanistan during, uh, 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 during the, the start of the war to go after the Taliban, we only had about 32,000 troops in the whole country. So there are more, there are more cops in the five boroughs than we had troops in all of Afghanistan at that point. And it is very difficult when you take into a point budget, schedules, everything that goes into being a cop to necessarily give them the type of training that a Navy SEAL or a federal agent that which has a much smaller office, much smaller agency, can get their guys in. I mean, it's very hard to schedule. Like for instance, I like in the particular agency that, uh, that I was in, excuse me, that I'm in, we, um, we get, we get recertified as far as, uh, as far as shooting goes four times a year, every quarter. And we get range time about three to four times each quarter. NYPD does not have nearly the time or the space to do that, especially when you look at New York's gun laws. There's only so many places you can actually put a, a gun range. So, I mean, these guys, just like LAPD, they maybe get recertified as far as their shooting qualifications maybe once every two years. And that's not a secret. So, and, that's, I mean, and that's really due to the space constraints, right? And you, uh, you, you have, you have 38,000 uh, 38, officers in which you've got to supply ammunition for them. You've got to get range time. You've got to reserve the time. You've got to get the instructor time. You've got to get these guys on a range. Now, unfortunately, you can only have maybe about uh, maybe about 40 to 50 guys at the range at any given time. And even to get that range time, and it's going to be about four hours in that day. It's going to be, a, it's going to be anywhere from half of a work day to a full work day. And then on top of that, you still have to staff your streets with enough cops to keep uh, to be able to respond and be able to proactively fight crime. So, and then you also have guys who are gonna guys are gonna be uh, gonna have sick time. Guys are gonna have personal time. Guys are gonna have um, their vacation time. All this, all this, all warranted. All this, all legal. I, and, and yet, you still have to try and figure out a way to schedule these guys in. That's 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 very difficult to do. But isn't and, that a priority? It, it, it is, but at the same time, how do you get 38,000 guys cycled in 365 days when they have to have off days by law? You can't just work these guys 9, 10, 11, 12 days straight. 100%. Uh, you, these guys have, uh, detectives have, have open cases that they have to close. Um, intelligence is busy gathering intelligence, either be it for... Um, Gang intelligence, uh, drug uh, uh, drug trafficking intelligence, um, uh, uh, counterterrorism intelligence. I, you 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 just you just don't have enough days in the in the year. Coupled that with funding, coupled that with the amount of space on the range, because even when it even when it comes down to it, New York is New York is kind of burdened by their gun laws and the availability of range space. 
So, so how does that play into? So it sounds like what you're saying is like and, the. And then, and then also you look at you look at um, you look at all right, uh, tr- uh, training standards. Now I will say this: like in the academy, you get more than enough training. Training is also something that you have to you have to work you have to work into uh, into guys schedules because you uh, the city policing a lot of, a lot of training they'll say is on the job training you get a lot of your um, your communication skills by interacting with the public on a daily basis now you also get that in your training when you're doing scenarios training scenarios but once again getting back to the whole idea of uh, of de-escalation we'll always say this. You can de- you can only de-escalate a person who wants to be de-escalated. I can approach a person who who is who is uh, who is uh, committing a crime. And bottom line, here's the thing: he may be he may be a three time, four time felon who is on probation right now, on parole, and he knows that the next time the next time he gets caught doing anything illegal, it could be anything from damaging government property, so accidentally crashing his car into a mailbox or a DUI, or any other crime that violates his parole, smoking marijuana, anything of that nature, he knows that no matter what he does, no matter what he says, no matter what the situation, if you're on parole, your butt's going back in the can to finish out your sentence. So there's no real incentive when he gets caught for him to be de-escalated. I could go up there and and be and be, uh, be calm, tell him everything he wants to hear, but bottom line is this. When I'm lawfully present to make an arrest, an arrest has to go down. You can't let the guy go. You can't you can't let you you can't say, oh well, you know, even even like for instance, if he tries to run, there's dangers in that too, because all right, people uh let's look at the case down in Atlanta. A lot of people are saying, Oh, well, just let him run. You got it, you have his ID, you have his you have his car, you know where he lives, just try and pick him up later. Well, the problem with that is, okay, let's say he does let's say he does get away and he gets back home. All right, now he barricades his house because he knows we're coming, and now he's taking hostage. So now you've incl- now you've gotten more people who are there that could possibly get hurt. These are all the things that you have to think about because you're going to be responsible for that later. Let's say that in the case of him running, yeah, he- but we also know that they're not shy about showing up with a SWAT team. Oh well, a- well, absolutely. Because bottom line is this: when it when it comes down to it, especially if you know that a person is uh, a person is violent, a person is pr- uh, prone to violence, and everything. It's a, it's a psychological game as well. You, a lot of these people, a lot of, a lot of people who have a predatory mindset, as with predators anywhere, they go after what they perceive as the, as the weakest. So part, it's kind of like why, why cops, why cops, like, especially like in like riot situations, you see them wearing all the riot gear, all the padding, uh, they have, they have all the, all the different secondary, secondary, uh, force level devices and everything. It's a psychological game because they know they're outnumbered by the mob, which I'm not just calling them, just the large, the larger amount of people. But if you can psychologically make them feel like they're outnumbered and that they're bigger, more than likely you're going to get more, more compliance than not. And that's like when it comes to like having tactical teams, you know, your ESU teams, if somebody, if you have a bad guy with a gun hold up in a house and he just sees what he considers a bunch of equal, uh, equal opponents, he may not be as willing to give up peacefully as he would if he sees a ta- full tactical team outside and he's just like, holy cow, there's really no shot for me to get out of here. I might as well just cut my losses and go. 
nine, nine times out of 10, that's what he's going to do. Now, of course, every now and again, because nothing's perfect, you are going to have that guy who's probably going to want to fight. Now, in that case, you want your, t- your, your tactical team that does have the ability to train every, uh, every, uh, uh, more, more than anyone else, that does understand how to, how to breach facilities, how to breach rooms, how to tactically take someone in safely versus somebody who's not necessarily getting that training and how to eyeball rooms, how to, how to eyewash rooms, how to, how to um, cut the pie in corners and how to, how to tactically enter a room. Everyone can't do that. That's why you have your SWAT teams and tactical teams. And that's normally the safest way of doing it. It may not seem like it, but an overwhelming show of force can intimidate your adversary to the point where violence doesn't have to happen because they realize, okay, I'm caught. I'm done. Right. But that also would have saved his life. Excuse me? In Atlanta, that would have saved his life. Well, once, uh, once again, we're Monday morning quarterbacking it. It only no, because shot him in the back. No, 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 no. We shot him in the back. Well, all right. He shot him while he was turning to point a taser at him. A taser. And he tried to now now here now one thing, all right, so one thing I will say, every cop who has to carry a taser, every cop who carries OC spray, that's all the resident capsicum, that's the uh that's the uh pepper spray. Everyone who carries that. Any type of secondary use, uh, any type of secondary force except for the baton, you have to have used on you, so you understand exactly what it does, what you're capable and incapable of doing. I'll say this: that when it comes down to anything, the OC spray is probably one of the most painful things I've ever experienced in my life, <laughs> up to that point. Um, but the taser is no joke either. So pretty much, the taser delivers a charge of fifty thousand volts, and it completely locks up your muscles and when it's a, when it when it works when it's effective, you're completely incapacitated for at least five seconds. Mm-hmm. So what goes through in in any in any use of force training, and this is why I always I always ask uh, private uh, private citizens because it, you can do it with your local departments. A lot of departments offer use of force training so that uh, civilians have a better understanding of it. What you're taught is that is weapon retention, and most importantly that your particular firearm does not have magic bullets that hurt your adversary, but don't hurt you. With that said, what we all know, we all train for is if somebody, God forbid, they're able to get a hold of your taser or your OC spray and incapacitate you, that means that you now can't defend yourself. Uh, you can't defend yourself, nor can you defend that firearm. So it's very quick to where the, uh, the suspect, if he's able to tase you, incapacitate you and take your firearm. He can now use that to either hurt you, hurt your partner or hurt someone in the public. Remember there was, there was, a, there were a lot of people in the public because they were at that drive through that was still pretty busy. With that said, he shot the taser, which is a one-time shot and he missed. And then he was shot in the back. He was shot in transition as, as he was, as he was shooting. He already shot it. it already went off. He was already turning around and was shot in the back. You can't shoot somebody in the back if they have your side to you. That's not true. You you can't you can't shoot you can't shoot a person in the back if they're actually fleeing trying to escape. Uh, I believe it's Graham versus Connor that tells us you can't do that. But if somebody's fleeing and they they prove themselves hostile, they have a weapon on and they're fleeing. Let's say they're trying to flee, but they're not fleeing to escape. They're fleeing to reposition themselves to get themselves behind cover to engage you again. You he was can't. Running away. 
You can't fire. In this case, he's more he's more than he's more than able to fire. And most but experts are going to say, are these or are these not a one time shot? No, no. Not only are they not a one time shot, most of them are two shots. But that's just with the prongs. It also has a contact. It also has contact on it, where you can push it on somebody and keep on and keep on giving them that charge. It's the two shots of the prongs. So if you get engaged with that person and get into a hand to hand with him, he can still use it and apply the charges as he's just touching with it. You just won't have prongs on. It. So that is why, like we uh, in uh, in any agency, it, it, pretty much every agency I've talked to, because we've been talking about this. I've been talking to guys at LAPD. I've been talking to guys I know down at APD. I've been but talking. You're still to using like, lethal force against a non-lethal weapon. Well, uh, here's the thing: it's only a it's only a non-lethal weapon when we use it because we're only using a secondary. We're only using secondary. Um, secondary. How um, long would it take you to kill somebody with a taser? That, that's that's not that's not that's not it. It, it. Well, you know it all depends. If you if can you, you a, can you kill can you kill someone with a taser? It happens rarely. Mostly with people who have a heart problem, like an arrhythmia, and we see electric shock messes with them, or they have some sort of uh, electrical problem with their brain. It happens rarely, uh, but it can. But the, the, there's the reason why it's considered less than lethal when we use it versus when a, uh, when a, when an adversary uses it is exactly for you. You're not going to use a taser on somebody who you know is armed with another weapon. That's why it's a less than lethal, just like your baton. If you know someone's armed with a lethal weapon, an edge weapon, a firearm, something of that nature, you're going to use your your lethal your lethal weapon, the firearm. Now, when it comes to the taser, it's like I said, it's only less than lethal when we use it because we're not using it against a person who has another weapon. But if they get a hold of the taser, it's considered a lethal weapon because they could use it to incapacitate us and take our lethal weapon, which has happened before. So that is why he was running away. He could easily change direction had he made contact with that with that uh, taser and dropped him. That, that, you have you have two incidences in the state of Georgia. With You're the one who's running quarterbacking this because that's not what happened. I mean, that's a scenario on a scenario, but that's not what happened. In 2019, Georgia had two incidents that were eerily similar to this. The only difference was one of the officers was Hispanic. And the guy getting shot was white. Okay. So I mean, like right now, what it's looking, what it's looking like to a lot of us is that it was this. This was pretty much playing to the politics of what's going on today, because nowhere else where this has happened, where somebody has taken a taser, you can look up all the cases where somebody has taken a taser and actually tried to fire it at you. And within the transition of that occurring, because it's not like he fired the taser and then five minutes went by, he fired the taser and then was immediately shot by the officer. Right. So it was in transition. It was all fluid. It's not like the officer, it wasn't, this wasn't a, uh, Michael Flanagan. So you're also saying that if he would have hit him with the taser and went back, that's where the other officer would have came into play, though. That's not what happened either. The other officer was concussed. Mm -hmm. So the other officer was pretty much damn near ineffective. And and that's the thing. A lot of people. Because there's video of it afterwards and he looks far from ineffective. The other officer, they, 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 it's in, it's in the medical report. He was, he suffered a concussion. He did. He suffered of a concussion, but in the tape, he—I mean—he's still going. In the tape that I, in the tape that I saw, particularly in the frame where the shooting occurred, there's only two people in the in the frame. It's the one cop and the uh, 
and the and the suspect find the taser. Correct. But then, right so behind him, as the tape goes, he comes right in behind it, running full speed. But he wasn't there at the time, and that's still that's still right. lag. I mean, like a couple steps behind out of the frame. Hmm? He was just a couple steps out of the frame. That, that's that's all fine and good, but it still doesn't change the fact that this person actively engaged him with a weapon, which at that time would be considered lethal. Here's, here's, here's some of the more double speak. All right. But then why would he be charged with felony murder if it's just the cut and dry, he could have got the weapon and da-da-da? He's charged that, with felony that, murder. That it why, that why this, in Atlanta. It's not like it's even third degree, second degree. Like, they're going for it. No, exactly, and that is why that is why around law enforcement around the law enforcement sphere, we say that this is not just a trumped up charge, but just a politically a, pol- a politically inclined charge. I mean, this person is obviously being is obviously being uh, it feels feels a pressure from the situation that we're in that we've been in these last few weeks. I mean, and so he should have been allowed to kill him. That would have been all right. Well, it's called stopping the threat. So he should have been allowed. <laughs> well, what he did, even even the mayor of Atlanta said that what he did was not was not illegal. If you remember what she said, she said just because you can, uh, she was operating under a completely different standard of just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. That's uh-huh. not a legal standard. Right. And bottom line, by the legal standard and any use of force expert will tell you any 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 other district attorney would say, I can't prosecute this. Oh, stop. That's obviously prosecutable. But my point is, like, I, you could easily see them go in third degree, maybe second no, degree. I, I but really, I really can't. What they I, are is- I, I always try and say I try and operate on the facts. I try and operate on the use of force statute. I try and operate on all those things. And there are plenty of cases where I can say, OK, I can see something like I, I, I don't see it here. I don't. You, you, know, you know, there's something I'm not seeing on the Wendy's menu. I don't know if both of you noticed. Their breakfast options. Well, better goddamn be there, I'll tell you that. That will be there forever and always. What I'm not seeing is a pancake option. Have Wendy's, that? Wendy's apparently does a big bang up breakfast. Some of uh, some of the menu items are uh, maple bacon and chicken croissant, bacon egg and cheese biscuit. Hell yeah! Um, I'm looking for like a good chicken and biscuit thing, but I don't think they do that. But it's a lot of biscuits, croissants, and things of that nature. I'm not seeing pancakes, so I guess syrup isn't an issue there, but syrup is really, like, the issue of the past couple of days. And been talking to some of my female friends of color today. Dave and I have been kind of talking about this all day. And I guess, like, to our generation, like. Aunt Jemima was this innocuous thing to me. I just thought, oh, this smiling lady on the shelf. And I never thought, I, I never thought of it as something that might be perceived as offensive because I guess in our generation, by then it probably shouldn't have been on the shelves anymore because apparently like it's been offensive for a really long time, even though it's based on a real live person who was an activist and who was paid, et cetera. My understanding is that at the end of the day, she's really based on a on a mammy, right? Well, uh, it's as with everything. I always say things have to be taken in context from where they are, from where they originated from, and what and what what they initially meant. Now, 
the Aunt Jemima, the actual, the actual character Aunt Jemima was actually created by a black comedian in the 1870s. His name's escapes me right now, but this was actually created by a black comedian. Now, one could say that, yeah, it kind of looked a little, um, uh, earlier on, it kind of looked a little Sam, uh, Sambo-ish. Or, uh, but when it's all said and done now, I never am going to say I speak for a whole people. I, and I like, I think black, Hispanic, Asian, uh, white people, what have you, we're all individual people with our own personalities, our own fault. So no one can ever speak for a whole community. But I will say that from my experience in the, in, in, in the black community, I've never heard anybody ever complain about Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben, the cream of wheat, Mrs. Butterworth. As a matter of fact, I pretty much seen it. Uh, I pretty much seen those products in every black kitchen I ever went in growing up from my family to my extended family, to my friends and never heard a word. This once again, seems like it's a, it's a solution in search of a problem. Now, do you think the, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, talking more to women today and but you brought up a couple of good points i think the the best thing i've heard with everything in the past couple of weeks is that you can't look at one group of people as monolithic right so can't just we can't make assumptions that people who all come from one ethnic group or one race that they're somehow all having the same experience or that one person can speak for an entire group or what's offensive to one person is, you know, offensive to another within that same group. And, and I get, I, I, I do get all of that. And I get that earlier. I I get that earlier context as well. I I think like my, my bigger issue there is like, okay, so, so Quaker turns around and says, we've, we recognize that some people find this offensive and we're going to change the branding, et cetera. What, what I want to know is like, what does that kind of, what does that call out? She's not getting canceled. I'm sure she'll get like a revamp or, you know, whatever, or a renaming. How does that call out? How does that call out help? And like, would it be, would it make a bigger statement for Quaker to come out and maybe say like, Hey, here's, here's how diverse we are, um, you know, on our corporate board or like, here's how we're heading in that direction and so on and so forth. So I want to know like, what's the, I don't think anyone has this answer just yet, but like, what's the call to action after a call out on something that just appears on a label. And I hope that makes sense. Well, it's um, a matter of where it's coming from. I mean, this is a capitalist decision. This is all being done because, you know, woke, woke culture is coming after their bottom line. So this has not, I mean, look, if they really cared, they would have changed it a while ago. Uh, I've heard Aunt Jemima issues for how fucking long? Like, they, they don't care. They're changing it because it was affecting their bottom line all of a sudden and people were paying attention. Right. So then, but then really, what's the. Well, I mean, it, then it, what's it, the what's it, the point? It, Is that then just virtue signaling at that point? Of course. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's I think it's uh, virtue signaling. And I think it's woke culture run amok. I mean, in let's see, let's see the three four weeks since uh, and forgive me if I'm if I'm off on the timeline, but three or four weeks since the info, uh, the, the unfortunate crime that was a George Floyd murder. I uh, oh. A whole. I was getting ready to jump in there. 
Yeah, a whole a whole group, a a a, a, a whole a whole mass of people with everything going on with George Floyd, the riots, the protests, Corona still in the wings, a whole group of people amassed and went to Quaker and sat down with Aunt Jemima to where they saw an effect in their bottom line. I I just, I just don't buy it. I I, I just think, I just think it's, uh, I think it's, I said, woke culture run amok and these CEOs not actually paying attention to the demos and everything, but so afraid of the Twitterverse, which doesn't represent the United States. What is like one in six people in this country are actually on Twitter and Twitter tends to skew literally in one direction. It's kind of like, it was kind of like when I look back at like uh, the whole NFL thing and the kneeling a a few years ago, Uh, the people complaining about Kaepernick not, not playing or, or being, uh, or being ostracized. They weren't the NFL. They weren't people who went to football games for the most part because you started to see the dip off and ESPN even did their own studies with people who were actually upset with the fact that the people were kneeling. Those were the, those were the people that were that were being ignored. Not the Twitter uh, not the Twitter sphere. The Twitter sphere didn't uh, didn't sink the NFL uh, the NFL's uh, bottom line or ESPN's ratings. It was their normal fans who don't really skew to that woke, that woke, uh, that woke, uh, that woke population. I think the also got to worry about merchandising and branding and all sorts right. of other stuff. So you're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. But I mean, <clears throat> what, what wokester is going around wearing an Alejandro Villanueva jersey from the Pittsburgh Steelers or a Tom Brady jersey. I mean, you, you don't really see it. Football. I hope no, I hope no one's wearing a Tom Brady jersey. No one, no one. <laughs> I mean, when, when, you look, when you look at the sports, you can really, you, you can really see exactly where, you, I, it's almost to a T, someone who's an ardent fan of one particular sport or the other, you can almost guarantee, uh, I don't want to say guarantee, but you can guess with a high with a high degree of certainty, the political slant of that person, what they, uh, who, who they t- what they what their personality tends to be like. As for instance, I mean, when you look at when you look at football, now this doesn't mean people from other parts of the spectrum can't can't be in there. Of course they can, but when you look at football and the and the football fan, football tends to be one of the more conservative sports, not as conservative as golf, but one of the more conservative one, and their fan tends to skew more conservative especially their fanatic. Now, basketball tends to be more on the liberal side and soccer tends to be more on the progressive side. Golf being the very conservative one. And hockey tends to be a little more like blue-collar liberal. But... Wow, that's a, that's a really apt synopsis. Would you agree, Dave? I think that's... I'm waiting to hear baseball. Yeah, where's baseball? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, baseball. <laughs> well, you know, once again, baseball, baseball in, um, in America, for the most part, tends to skew more conservative, while in Latin America, of course, it, it skews more to the politics of Latin America. For the most part, I, I agree. I, oh, and, and, you know, you see a lot of it, like, for instance, uh, just look at college football. And it kills me to say it as, um, as, a, as an alumnus of the Pac-10 who played college football in the Pac-10, but Which when you look at when you look at name drop, let's hear it. Huh? Do a little name drop. Oh, I played at uh, ASU. <laughs> really? Yep. Oh two to oh five. What position? Corner. Brag a little bit. Brag a little bit. Oh yeah, he, this is a go, go on, and you're uh you're an 
former NFL player. Am I not uh, correct there? Uh, spent, spent some time with Tampa and Oakland. Uh, not, not enough to really write home about, but still, you know, I got my little show. But uh, even it. then, I mean, like, you had, uh, especially in college, in the college atmosphere, you always had that, um, you know, that, uh, that, 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 those bragging rights. You know, we always, call, we always claim the Pac-10 was the best. And, of course, you had the Big Ten claiming uh, themselves. The Big East doing the same. The SEC, the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Back when there was more parity. But nowadays, I mean, it's without it a doubt. Excuse me? Yeah, now it's just the SEC. And that's what I was about to say. When you look at when you look at college football now, what 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 is what is what is moving the needle? Where is where are the actual fanatics? Where is where is pretty much college football central? It's all in the SEC. And you look at where a majority of the NFL players are now coming from. It's the SEC. And these guys, these SEC fans, they follow the SEC players in the NFL. So they're the ones who really drive a lot of the race. That's why, like. Yeah, but NASCAR is kind of blowing up that whole model, though, right? Excuse me? NASCAR is kind of blowing up that whole model, though, right? I mean, NASCAR is as uh, right as you can get. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's why, and that's why whatever side you, whatever side you fall on it, what, um, when NASCAR decided uh, the other week to, uh, to ban the Confederate flag from their, uh, from their uh, races and everything, and pretty much give a nod to, uh, give a nod to, what would be considered woke central. No, that, that's had to go forever. Excuse me? The Confederate flags had to go forever. Yeah, they've been debating. I'll say, I'll say this. I'm no, I'm no fan of the Confederate flag in the sense, but I will say this for the most part. When I was, when I was playing ball, I had a lot of teammates from Texas, from Louisiana, from uh, Florida, from, uh, from South Carolina, and from Georgia. And I saw, I saw a lot. A lot of my close teammates said, "I mean, you know, we bled, we bled, we uh, we sweat, and we shed, we shed tears together." These are guys I would call my brother who love me that like no other. You go over to their houses or to their dorm rooms, and they'd have that. They'd have the stars and bars hanging up there. And for them, they would explain it a different way. Now, the thing that really got me to where I really started looking at it differently, like I said, I. I I don't really care for it at all, but a lot of my black teammates who are from the South, they, some of them actually had some reverence for the Confederate flag, which I found puzzling. But when they, when they, uh, when they told, when they told me why and how it was mostly like for them pride in where they're from pride in the South, not necessarily pride in the, uh, pride in the war and the reasons for why it was fought. But as over time with anything, symbols, they change meanings for uh, they change meanings throughout time with different people. I mean, you, a perfect example. You have you have most people in the United States will look at the United States flag and see it as a symbol of freedom, a symbol that fights oppression and tyranny. And then you have a large segment, mostly on the progressive side, who say, "Oh, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of slavery. It's a symbol of racism. It's a symbol of imperialism across the world." You have people who say this. Now, I would never say that. I love our flag. I, uh, you, if, if we're on video, you see it right there hanging behind me. I, I fully stand for it every day. I hear the national anthem. I stand for it. I put my hand over my heart. But there are some people, a large number now, that actually feel the complete opposite. But in, in a country where I say I'm an ardent First Amendment supporter, 
in all aspects of the in all aspects of it. So long as you're not threatening to uh, do me physical harm, I don't care if you call me the N word to my face. I've always been taught words only have the power that you give them. So if I don't let it bother me, it's not going to. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that what you're doing is right and that you should do it. But I'm not going to stop anybody from saying anything or fl- or having any type of uh, having any type of expression, so long as it's not physically hurting anybody. I people have a people have a right to get their voice out there. People have a right to listen to it. And so do you not believe in hate speech? Hmm? So do you not believe in? Hate I don't believe in hate speech. No, I don't believe in hate speech. I don't believe that. I, I think hate speech is uh, another one of these made up uh, terms that was fashioned in higher education. I uh, bottom line. Bottom line is this: people should be allowed in a public forum to be exposed to any and all types of ideas. That's the only way that you're going to hear about them, and the only way that you can defeat them is by robust debate in which you point out the flaws of those ideas and give people a better idea. But when you just try and silence people, when you just try, that doesn't that doesn't change their mind. Like I said, that just that just means that they put it all in and they they fester on it. It's similar, it's similar with them. But, uh, but is there not a line that we draw somewhere and call it hate speech? You know what I mean? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it because what's hate, what, what wasn't hate speech yesterday is now hate speech today. And then 10 years from now, it probably flips. Like, for instance, at one point, a perfectly acceptable, a perfectly acceptable position in the United States not too long ago. Shoot. Um... Our previous president had it before uh, before he 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 found his conversion was look I believe in the tradition I believe in traditional marriage I believe in the traditional teaching of one man one woman that was absolutely fine to have that position it was absolutely fine to have the opposite position now all of a sudden saying something like that is hate speech Chick Fil A is having protests everywhere they go because they happen to have a traditional belief. In an institution that's almost as old as men, that is sacrosanct to three of the most dominant religions in the world. Right, that's but really that's, that's a religious issue. It's right. Yeah, but but now all of a sudden, it's, uh, if you say something like that in, in polite company, particularly in cities like New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, D.C., all of a sudden you're persona non grata, and it's like, why, why, why can't why can't somebody hold that position and talk about it and then somebody who doesn't hold that position engage in adult spirited debate or conversation and maybe this person makes points that uh, draw this person over there, maybe this person draws uh, the other person over, or maybe they disagree to disagree. What is wrong with that? I think because what- you're not going to change anybody's mind by just trying to browbeat them, uh, shut them up, try and get them fired. and All, all you're going to do is just make them even more rock for it. So what's what's the answer? I mean, you can't educate that. I mean, people are going to do what they do. But I mean, this kind of gets back to, you know, you were you were so dead set that the felon is going to react a certain way and there's no way to change what he's going to do. So there's no way to change what these people are going to think either then by that logic. So that's fine. That's that's the beauty of the country. People have a right to disagree. People have a right to be as intelligent as they want or as ignorant as they want. So long as they're not physically hurting anybody. Just let it go, because bottom line is you can't legislate what's in somebody's heart. True. No, no law, no edict at all is going to change the mind of somebody. I always look at it like this. There's nothing you can do to somebody who's a neo-Nazi or somebody who's uh, Grand Cleagle or the Ku Klux Klan. There's nothing you can do, 
no law you can make that's going to tell him he needs to respect me or that he needs to accept me for who I am or that he needs to love me, like me, what have you. But you know what? I can go and approach him and I can try and engage him and I can try and engage him in friendly conversation. And that just might do the trick. There's a guy named David, Dave, uh, Derek Davis, who does, a, who does, he collects the KKK rules with the guys. He, 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 uh, he, he, he talks to and converts. I think you can't, and here's the thing. You can't get to everybody and that's fine. You're never going to get to everybody. But bottom line is so long as people are speaking, no one's fighting. War, wars don't occur when people actually at the nego- when people actually at the uh, at the debating table or the negotiating table. Sure, they do. Wars occur <laughs> when people say enough talking. It's time to start shooting. Right. It starts at the negotiating table. And uh, but it, it ends when the negotiations stop. I just keep the conversation going. I, I just I don't, I don't understand why somebody who thinks completely opposite from me can't engage in a conversation with me and why I can't engage with them. I don't understand why I can't be friends with somebody who thinks differently from me. Maybe even, even on, even on uh, serious issues. Why can't, why can't I, why can't, why can't I be in a relationship with somebody or marry somebody, something like that. I, I look at my own parents. My father grew up quiet, conservative Republican. My mother, loud, progressive Democrat. And they've been right? 38 years. Look at that. I mean, it's, it's, I look at it, I never harbor anyone's different beliefs as, as anything negative because I understand how mine came about. Mine came about partially because of how I was raised. Mine came up about from um, experiences that I, uh, that, that I had growing up. Mine came about from observations I met as what I like to think a critically thinking, observant young man. Mine came up about actual study into, di- into, into, different eco- uh, into different economic beliefs, into different, um, into different social beliefs, and, and, see, and, and looking at the history of them and seeing what I believe would work and what I believe didn't work. It, it, it's, it's, all, it's all in the process of what you take in, and for me, in 36 years. And with, every, with everybody being unique and nobody having the exact same upbringing or the exact same genes or the exact same of anything, People are going to have different uh, different uh, beliefs for those very same reasons. And isn't that what makes America kind of beautiful? That that that's what I think absolutely is. I mean, like, thankfully, right now we're not like some other countries where you get locked up for those type of things. I I don't care how offended I may get get by something. I don't want somebody locked up because they said something I don't like. And in Britain, you have you have a man who went to jail because he fought his dog as a joke to do a Nazi salute. In Canada, they're having laws that say, oh, if you if you don't if you don't respect the fact that there's 56 or 79 or whatever, whatever number to date, however number genders there are, if you just say, no, you know what, that just doesn't sound right. I don't believe that. Right. But saying it's not usually the issue. It's when you discriminate on jobs and health care and everything else, depending yes. upon. Yes. Yeah, that, 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 you're, you're absolutely right. when, when someone gets penalized. Now, I, I granted, of course, the, the, the amendments, the Bill of Rights protects us from what government can do to you, not yeah. with private business. So a private business can always say, oh, we don't want to associate with that. And that's, that's, that's the First Amendment right there, freedom of association. 
But in the spirit of freedom of speech, what this what this country was built off of, it just doesn't look right, and it just doesn't look good. And if we want to talk freedom of speech, we have to talk about the boycotts and you know what cancel culture, call out culture, whatever it is. I mean, absolutely right. The First Amendment, the call out culture. I mean, it's all First Amendment. I mean, whether you like it or not, and then it ties into capitalism, which you know we can't get enough of. So. You know, no, you're, 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 abs- you're absolutely right. But um, I would say that it's one thing. It's one thing to say, "Here's here's my here's my speech," all right, and there's your speech. And ours differ, but you at least let me. You at least let me have it. When you're trying to cancel me for speaking my speech, or like for instance, when someone like a Dr. Charles Murray or a Dr. Jordan Peterson or a Ben Shapiro or a Michael Knowles are invited on a college campus. And you have a bunch of you have a bunch of uh, you have a bunch of uh, these you know, for lack of a better word, the social justice warriors going in screaming uh, screaming them out, shouting them down, not allowing them to hold their uh, not allowing them to hold their their, their talk or whatever or whatever they're going to be speaking about, or actively trying to physically harm these people. I mean, they just remind they just remind you of the cultural revolutionaries in Maoist China who were trying to get rid of the four olds the Bolsheviks and the Soviet Russia, or God forbid, the brown shirts in a, in a fascist regime. In a, where, where are you drawing the line between free speech and college kids being fascist? Excuse me? Where are you drawing the line between the college kids being fascist and First Amendment? When you stop others from engaging in their freedom of speech. But you have the right to yell them down as your freedom of speech. Well, no, you have the right to engage them. You don't. If if if, no, uh, if all. that's not true at all. I can, <laughs> that's not. Well, no, that's here, here, all right. So if if you if you rent out if you rent out if you rent out a spot, and you're having somebody come speak to your group, your group paid for a spot. You came in, you came and rented it out, and all of a sudden you have a bunch of people you did you didn't invite come in and disturb you. That would be like you going to a movie theater and watching the movie and a whole bunch of people come in there screaming throughout the movie, setting off fire alarms and everything. So you can't watch the movie. That's denying you your freedom of speech because you don't get to listen to what you, uh, to what you can, uh, to what you can to listen to. Me going to a movie is not under my first amendment, right? Well, it, it, it is because the, the studio, the studio put out that art, which is expression, which is freedom of expression. Correct. And you went to go see it. And that that company has a right being the or wherever you went to go see the movie has a right to go uh, to uh, to kick whoever's disturbing those people out of there. They do have that right in the private company, right? All right. Well, just like in a private affair, if I'm a group of like let's say the uh, Young Sierra Club or the Young Republicans on college on the college campus, and I rent out the uh, the amphitheater, I rent out one of the halls at the university for a private event in which we, we invited a speaker. And now all of a sudden you have a bunch of people who aren't a part of that event coming in to disturb that private event. That is denying you your right, your, your right to, to speech and expression. But it's my first amendment right to pay for a ticket to get into that event to say what I want. Absolutely. But there's, there's in a private event, there's actually a, a uh, there's actually a, a, stru- a structured avenue for do that. They have the question and answer period. You know, mm-hmm. there's, you just don't go in there and start blaring loud music and shouting out the speaker that the other people came to see. Look, I agree with you. I, I, I think you should just have a, you know, a back and forth, listen to what the other person is saying and then just tear them apart. 
Yeah, there's also the other side. There's also civil disobedience. There's also the First Amendment right that I have to go in there. You know what? If you're going to drag me out, you can drag me out as long as it's in a private uh, place and it's not by the government. But otherwise, it's all covered. Yeah, can, you know, can I just say that when you have an event, that would be considered trespassing, which is against the law. Someone can pull you out of that legally. Sure. Uh, now, now, if this person is just street preaching or whatever on a public street, then yeah, I mean, like, well, all bets are off. I wouldn't say it's necessarily in the spirit of freedom of speech or polite at that matter, but if you're on a public street in which everybody has access and everything's going, yeah, all bets are off. But when somebody reserves a private area, uh, it, it now becomes it now becomes private. There, there, there's there's uh, there's nuances. Can I just say, when you said "God forbid" the the brown shirts start coming, I immediately think about the UPS guy. <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> I've seen a lot of him. Uh, yeah, we. I think we've. I think we've all been seeing maybe maybe too much of him, uh, rightfully so. Wow. Well, now I'm going to look at him different. I'm going <laughs> to. It's going to be a whole other it delivery. Be about you. A whole other delivery tomorrow. Well, guys, I can't thank you both enough for your time, Dave. You're you're forced to spend this time with me once a week. Mike, we. I couldn't be happier. We 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 appreciate your unique perspective. I know we're not going to shout you out on um, on social because I know your social is private, but thanks for spending the time with us. Everyone, whatever you're doing out there, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and we will see you next week. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank Bye. you for coming. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. <laughs>